1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For, we, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Shall we pray? Loving Father, that you might bless the reading of the scripture and encourage us in our walk of faith as we continue looking upward that the Lord has promised he is going to come again, and so shall he ever come and take us to be with him. And we give you thanks, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is truly uh, a, a marvelous passage when we think of the promise and the hope that it offers to each believer. And uh, we, uh, of course, speak much about the second coming of Christ. And in the Pauline epistles, we know that it is mentioned a, a number of times that uh, of the Lord's return, of his second coming, of his coming again. And uh, perhaps the one that we love to quote the most uh, found in John chapter 14. If I go, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. And we, as we think about uh, the coming of Christ, it is the believer's blessed hope. As we know, the scripture records it as such. And um, today, as we, uh, in the first day of the new year, uh, no, I didn't stay up and watch uh, anything. Um, it came quite uh, as usual, all by itself. I didn't have to usher it in with any kind of fanfare. Uh, the Lord is faithful in the times and the seasons, and he said they would continue from the book of Genesis onward. He said they would continue, uh, and uh, just like clockwork. Um, the times and the seasons would be continuing. Um, and of course, uh, it's only at the, at the very end of the age should uh, these things somehow change, as the Lord has indicated, that uh, after the millennial reign of Christ, that there should be a new heaven and a new earth, and that all things will truly be passed away, and uh, God will establish uh, that new heaven and new earth in righteousness, and all his saints will be with him. Well, um, that's something to praise God for. And uh, it is something we have great hope and anticipation in. But as this passage begins here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them who are asleep or who have died, that ye sorrow not, even as others who have no hope. Well, as we think about the, the idea of sorrowing, we know that uh, every funeral 
is a time of sorrow and grief um, for many people and especially to those in the world who have no hope and how ignorant of the coming of Christ because they know not the Christ of the scriptures. Uh, but of course, uh, Paul is writing to believers. He's not writing to the unsaved necessarily here at all. He's writing to those who were believing in the first century. And he is uh, giving them a word of exhortation concerning um, the Lord, uh, his coming, and also of those who have fallen asleep in Jesus, those who have died. Uh, now, remember probably the most famous. Uh, person who died in the Bible and was resurrected being Lazarus and uh, as he was uh, in the tomb four days and and uh, there Jesus delayed in his coming to see uh, Mary and Martha and, and Lazarus uh, only to find uh, as he knew very well that Lazarus had been in the grave four days and Mary says he stinketh <laughs> no, there's no sense checking at the at the tomb um, he's dead he's dead dead and very dead. <laughs> but So death is like that, isn't it? De death is just final. It's final. And, uh, it, um, and of course we even, uh, we even talk about people going somewhat, in a sense, being asleep in the grave. Um, and the word cemetery also means to sleep in death. Um, so uh, here we have it. Um, <clears throat> there is a somewhat of a parallelism here. To us as believers, we know that the Lord, when we die in Christ, we are dead, but yet asleep in Jesus. That, that is, we're waiting for the, the resurrection, the, last, the resurrection of the believer. We're waiting for that. Of course, the Old Testament saint knew about it to some extent, but did not have the full knowledge of it as we do now, since the, since the church came into existence in Acts chapter 2. But yet we find that um, even so, uh, because our feet are planted on the ground and our heart is planted in heaven, even we are subject sometimes to questioning and doubting and perhaps feeling a great sense of sorrow and uh, remorse and, uh, and having somewhat uh, questions as to when the Lord is going to come. And it seems like in the world today there is... Um, another gospel floating on the, on the horizon. Uh, not, that, not that it hasn't been there for a very long time, uh, but it's much more uh, atmospheric than it ever was before in society. Uh, and we find that that gospel is the New Age gospel. The New Age. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about that, and I have some things to share with you. Uh, first of all, the cosmic Christ is a lie. Uh, that is what the New Age, of course, call Christ uh, in his coming again. They call him the Cosmic Christ uh, because he is a New Age Christ to them. And so the second coming of Christ has been distorted. Um, and you'll find that today that any, any mention of religion today is somewhat ambiguous. Uh, it is very undefined. It is uh, very global. It is very much uh, embedded within um, a certain kind of language which is copies the Bible, but really doesn't have any certainty of the Word of God. Uh, you may have seen a number of signs along the roadside, be kind. 
Oh, you know, and every time I read one of those, it's kind of like, oh, what is your idea of kindness? And are you trying to limit somebody in the things that they say and do? Well, we, t- you know, we talk about big tech and how big tech is trying to transform speech into something that they want. Well, don't think that isn't part of the cosmic Christ, because it is. Or don't think that it isn't part of the great global network, because it is. Um, there's a lot of things that are going on today. Say nothing about LGBTQ, XYZ, and a few pluses besides. You know, the, there's a lot going on in this society which is trending. Is, don't you ever wonder why they put the yoga sign on just about everything going today? You can't, find, you can't pick up a box of cereal without somebody doing the lotus position uh, on, your, on your cereal box. Or anything on television is the same way, whether it's medical or whether it's uh, political or whether it's societal or anything else, you'll always find some reference to yoga. Well, why yoga? Well, yoga is a very, um, you can't really call it Buddhism, but it, it is very much mystical and it is very much out there in the in India and all of the uh, countries that have to do with mystical religions. And uh, it's something that uh, has now been picked up by, by the West. And David Hunt had it uh, pretty much uh, right when he said that uh, East was seducing the West. Uh, East meaning the mystical elements of the world are seducing the Western elements of the world. Where Christianity used to be the greatest stronghold. Well, if you can forget Britain, they've kind of gone by the wayside altogether. Uh, Their religion, if they've got any, is just a traditional orthodoxy which is left on the shelf of some dusty closet. And uh, they'll do some hocus pocus in the church, but uh, there's, there's no true... There's no true gospel hardly being preached. Uh, I wouldn't take it away from the Presbyterians because there are some strong Presbyterians in Britain and and in Scotland. But the gospel of the world is ungodly and suppresses the truth. Let's turn to the book of Romans in chapter 1 just for a moment, if we might. And, uh, you know, in Romans chapter 1, um, begins with a fam- we'll begin with a very famous verse which we, we all would say yes, amen to and that is this for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also the Greek um, and then verse 17 for it is, it is it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Well, there you are. That's the, that's the bedrock of our gospel, the gospel of Christ, that gospel which is under salvation, that gospel which in a true sense of universality is available to the Jew or the Gentile. And uh, as I have said before, there are basically three groups of people in the Bible. There is the Jew, there is the Gentile, which represents the world, and then there is... You, the Church of God, you see. Uh, and, and those are the three groups. That's only three, if you would put them in some grouping. The Jew, of course, nationally is or Orthodox Jew. Well, of course, there's many different diversions even of the Jewish groups. But Jew is a Jew. Uh, and, and a Gentile is a Gentile. They're, they are the citizen of the world. 
and uh, they're, they're not Jewish. They're, they are just of the world. They could be pagan. They could be some kind of traditional religion that they subscribe to. And more and more today, Buddhism is the great subscribing truth that many of these uh, people are, are going to. And you see them doing all of this uh, Buddhist sign constantly. And if you haven't seen it, watch, and you will see it over and over again. The God in me and the God in you. And Buddhism is becoming a very fast-paced religion. But the true gospel of Christ, the power of God unto salvation to the Jew or the Gentile, and the righteousness of God is by faith. And then we see also in the book of Romans here, concerning the second point, the gospel of the world is ungodly and suppresses the truth. And uh, as we look at verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God, this is in Romans 1, verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. They hold the truth. There is a truth that even the world subscribes to. Even the world will make a law unto itself that is similar to the word of God. But they hold it in unrighteousness, not in truth. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it unto them for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse in other words it's saying this creation the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork creation reveals the invisible God and it confirms the presence of God in the world but they refuse to acknowledge the God of creation. Rather, they would, they would believe in some animistic view of the cosmic Christ, and they would worship the creature more than the creator. And that is, uh, that is very prevalent today in today's society. Because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, verse 21. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Man's heart, the truth can be right in front of, that, of a person, and they will still deny the truth and believe the lie, rather than to, than to accept the truth. And so the invisible God is all around them, and yet they deny it. The invisible God is present, and it, it defies reason to say anything else but that God created, and yet they will deny it, and they will pick up some other belief, rather than to know the true and living God. And man suppresses the truth. Man suppresses the truth. Verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. And uh, here again, we, we find that this is the, the end result when man goes down this pathway of, um, of, uh, of suppressing the truth of the word of God. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves 
who exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And so this, is, this, this has become the contemporary present world situation today. And by the way, it isn't just in some little small corner of the world. It's everywhere. It's everywhere in the world today. Um, that is the, the sense that man wants to distort uh, the truth concerning God and that he changes the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and of birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness and so what kind of uncleanness well the LBGQT and plus community who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever amen for this cause God gave them up to affections vile affections for even their women did exchange the natural use for that which is against nature, and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the just recompense of their error, which was fitting. And so we find that those verses more than adequately refute what they are doing. What the, this uh, uh, vile society is propagating. Transgenderism and various other forms of what the sexual uh, elements include are very well known in our society today. They're trying to push it into the school. I'm sure that you have seen it. Uh, and it will continue and it is being promoted and propagated by globalistic entities like Disney and various other groups which have a lot of media pull and power and uh, influences and uh, we find that this is all working within the framework of this new age society which is being more and more pushed upon uh, the citizenry of the United States to say nothing about the various other countries of the world. Now, why should we even bring this up at all? Because it is good to know what we are up against. And we should also realize that the gospel of Christ is being distorted. The second coming of Christ is being distorted. We're talking really about the second coming of Christ when you talk about the New Age religion. But it is a distorted view of it. It is not the truth. It is, it is the, that which has been uh, suppressed. It, it is a truth which is denied. It is the, the, gospel, the power of the gospel of God which is being distorted. Romans 1.16, that is being distorted. To say nothing about Romans 1.17. And we find that uh, this kind of, of uh, element in the world is, uh, is at play. And uh, it is unrighteousness. It is unrighteousness. Um, well, let's go back here now to First Thessalonians. We kind of set pretty well in our thinking of what is going on in the world. And we do know that uh, these, uh, these entities which want to distort the truth, the gospel of the world is ungodly, and suppresses the truth. And the universal cosmic Christ is 
animistic. It's animistic. Now, animism is to believe in spirits. And, uh, for instance, uh, the aboriginal Indians of the United States, many of them were animistic. That is, they believed in different spirit powers within their own religious um, belief system. But uh, we shouldn't stop there. I mean, uh, the religions of India are animistic. The religions of Tibet are animistic. Um, they believe that the little worm crawling around in the ground might be actually your mother or your grandmother or your long-lost um, cousin from generations ago. Um, in other words, they believe in reincarnation and various other things that are purported. But it's all animism. It's animism. It's to believe in spirits, and spirits have powers, and that you can have powers because of those spirits. Well, I'd like to read you a brief article, and um, this isn't so brief, actually. But <clears throat> I think it is important to, to uh, relate to it, because what does it talk about? It talks about the other element of the New Age religion, which is Luciferian. The God of this world, Second Corinthians 4.4. 4. The God of this world blinds the minds of those who believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. And this Luciferian uh, element has been around for a very long time. And as we, uh, in this new year, we're going to see that the Biden administration is going to push this much more. They are very Luciferic in many of the things that they are doing. Why? Because they are playing right into the animism they're playing into the LBGQ community. They're playing right into the global network. They're playing right into the UN, society, UN idea of a world constitution that will be under the control of the UN. And uh, there is a true sense of a social communistic element which is trying to raise its hoary head uh, out of the sea of the world, the ungodliness that suppresses the truth of God. And this is part of it. This is part of it. This is an edited note uh, by Carl Trebek. Trebek, I guess you pronounce it. Um, November 22. Mark the sixth and 60th anniversary of an ongoing experiment bridging humanity and nature spirits. Uh, this is the animistic part of it. And this guy writes... Um, and is the author of The Game of Gods, The Temple of Man in the Age of Re-Enchantment. Um, and he says, twice this place, for it is both a place and a project, has been listed by the United Nations Habitat as a model for best practices, and the organization behind it has been a member of various UN-based special interest committees. Moreover, for over a decade, it was part of the UN program training leaders on climate change, sustainability, development, and green transitioning. Each year, thousands of people come for workshops on environmental activism, community building, human potential, contemplative practices, and co-creative spirituality. Now, by nature, uh, the New Age system is very ambiguous. And so it's going it's to be very 
verbose. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be very wordy in, in what they say. But you have to look for key words along the way. And one of them is this contemplative spirituality. Now remember, this is the true identity of the cosmic Christ. This contemplative spirituality. This animistic view. This is, this is the distorting of the true word of God. This is the kind of, of gospel which leads people not only to hell, but it leads people down a path that, that is, there is no uh, salvation from unless God intervenes. Now I'm going to be introducing a new place. It's called, indeed, uh, Findholm has been upheld as a global example of hostilic, uh, holistic living and planetary citizenship. Now this place by the name of Finholm, Horn, Finhorn, I guess that's how you pronounce it, F-I-N-D-H-O-R-N, is actually a place in Scotland. Okay? It's a place in Scotland. And uh, it's a, probably identified with a city as well, the village of Finn, Finhorn, Village located in northern Scotland, but is also is the center of the idea of this Luciferian, animistic, and spiritual enlightenment. <clears throat> I'll read on. A radically transformed world where humanity embodies the sacred, we honor each other and co-create wisely and lovingly with all life, and its mission statement says, Quote, transformative learning that serves the world by actively living and sharing our spiritual practices every day, listening to the sacred within, co-creating with the intelligence of nature, and work as love in action. Be kind. Just be kind. Love. Be, just be kind. Uh, this... Uh, this, this whole, uh, there isn't hardly anything that doesn't come to the forefront today that doesn't touch on this concept of what the New Age Christ is or the New Age religion or the idea of a globalistic community or people being so ambiguous about their lifestyle that it really doesn't matter to them what you are or what you believe as long as you agree on some level. You see, Buddhism, I mean, you can just be, you can believe almost anything you want to in Buddhism. It's just, it's an open door to anything. And that one is very popular. Finhorn is a place where new futures are envisioned while encountering the pagan spirits of the ancient past. It is an experiment in global communion. In global communion. The following article excerpted and adapted from Carl's book, Game of Gods, outlines the spiritual claims and associations that surround Finhorn project approximately 50 miles east of the north of Inverness, Scotland on a cold wind swept silver sliver of ground on the edge of the North Atlantic a magic garden was blooming in the vicinity of beach dunes and tidal flats after visiting the relatively obscure location in the early 1970s Paul Hawken wrote, quote, a garden growing in the sand and coal, producing 65 different vegetables, 42 herbs, 
and 21 types of fruit, even if they could be cultivated in that climate, the reports of 42-pound cabbages and 60-pound broccoli plants made it quite unbelievable. Now this is Finhorn. This is the place where this, uh, this New Age, Luciferic, animistic, and um, globalistic cultural element is striving. And um, not only there, of course, it is infected. The, this, this belief system has infected the whole world. But the best is yet to come. Something extraordinary was happening. Plants that would not normally survive the harsh climate and nutrient-poor soil were not only growing but flourishing. Word quickly spread of an enchanted plot near the village of Finhorn, and people flocked to it. Soon, the name Finhorn was less associated with the actual town, becoming synonymous instead with the new eco-village and its famed gardens, something ethereal was at work, something mystical and mysterious. See, this is, this is New Age, completely. Uh, the language, you'll notice anything that has to do with the New Age will be just enveloped in this kind of language. It's almost, you can't quite define it. It has so many facets to it that you can just make it whatever you want it to say. What was the open secret of, um, of Finhorn? The unusual interfacing of nature spirits and humans in a symbiotic relationship with plants. Reenchantment was being experienced. Man and spirits purportedly in partnership in the quest to model a better world. Now see, there you have it. Uh, this also is behind the whole idea of, of denying the true Christ and purporting the cosmic Christ and seeking to bring about this globalistic element. <clears throat> and so these spirits and fairies and the elements of the gnomes, Finholm became renowned as a place where supernatural entities manifested to the sensitive and attuned. Plant spirits offered advice on gardening while imparting metaphysical messages, pan the horned woodland deity, ruler of all nature spirits, god of male sexuality, animal fertility, gardening, plants, and associated with Dionysus, frolicked in the foliage and talked with humans. Well, if you know anything about Greek mythology, you know Pan is this creature with man-like, animal-like form. Usually a horse or a goat, or got a man body, on his head and so forth. All is God, God is all. Pantheism. All is God, God is all. Pantheism. And typically it's associated, well, the tree is God, the rock is God, the sand is God. You are God. There is no God outside of yourself. The God within. Buddhism. Yoga. Yoga. The God within. And, uh, and so, you see, all these fit together in, in a beautiful array of puzzle which never quite fits because you can make it into any, any uh, definition you want. A former member of Finhorn, Eco Village, described one encounter near a grotto. 
Quote, as we stepped down into the sunken garden, the energy became more and more powerful, and I was left absolutely speechless. I literally couldn't vocalize or use my tongue. I realized that there was a living presence there, and I had a very good idea of what that presence was. Already knowing the answer, I simply put out mentally, quote, who are you, unquote. And the answer was, which was not a voice, it was more like a total concept fed into my spirit, came back immediately. The nearest I could get to a verbalization of it was simply, quote, I am Pan. I am all. I am, I am, you know, this is the, the, the pan, pan, this is the pantheism of the New Age. Robert Ogilvy Crombie, one of the first to supposedly encounter Pan, relates his walk-in experience with this ancient nature deity. I became aware of Pan walking by my side and of a strong bond between us. He stepped behind me and then walked into me so that we became one and I saw the surroundings through his eyes. At the same time, part of me, the recording, observing part, stood aside. The experience was not a form of possession, but identification, a kind of integration. Uh, well, we call it that there was a demon involved in the, uh, in the presence, a de- demon, demonic activity. Uh, but even, you know, demonism and the possession of it uh, kind of tries to copy the Holy Spirit, you know. Because here is the cosmic Christ and here is the belief that all is God and God is all. And here is the belief that now an entity can enter into you. And what, is, what does it do? It's transformative. What does the Holy Spirit do when he enters in the true believer? We become transformed. We are a new creation in Christ. The cosmic Christ copies uh, the true Christ and the gospel of Christ, but yet it makes it so universal and pantheistic and animistic of spirits and worship and mystical that anybody can believe anything they want and you become a part of it. Despite shying away from the admittance of spiritual possession, what Crombie described was spiritual possession. In one conversation, an interesting politic of nature took shape. Talking with Crombie, Pan insisted that part of a garden remain off-limits to humans. This would be a protected area, quote, for his subjects alone, unquote. An undisturbed setting where nature spirits could focus their energies. Finhorn was touted as a model for global change, a hands-on workshop for the discovery of evolutionary enlightenment. David Spangler, a leading voice in the Findhorn experience, described the eco-community as a locus of planetary transformation. It is Finhorn's task to discover and demonstrate for mankind a new vision of the divine personalities inherent in each of us. You see, that's another part of it, isn't it? The divine within. Remember years ago, Ernest R. Case, I don't know if you ever remember him, he was on Channel 8. Every morning he had a devotional on Channel 8, I believe it was Channel 8, and uh, his big uh, come on was this, the divine in each of you, in everyone, the divine in everyone. He was a liberal to break to the core, 
and he never said anything that was of any of any scriptural value, but he was, you know, this this divine in in each of you, and Buddhism, yogaism, you know, you name it, those kind of mystical religions, all copy the same thing. And uh, so Finholm was touted as a model for the global change, a hands-on workshop for the discovery of evolutionary enlightenment. David Spangler, a leading voice in the Finholm experience, described his eco-community as a locus of planetary transformation. It is Finholm's task to discover and demonstrate for mankind a new vision of the divine potentialities inherent in each of us. It is a pioneering center working to fulfill a spiritual hunger and need of man for new ideas, new concepts, new visions. Social philosopher William Irwin Thompson compared the Finhorn community to the Stanford Research Institute changing images of man in the 1970s. The Stanford Research Institute brought together leading psychologists and futurists to consider the direction of civilization in their changing images program. To shift, the shift would be evolutionary, uh, ecological, and experimental as humanity moved toward a global identity. Well, you see, this is exactly the goal of politics today, to move the world into a global identity, to make you a global citizen, not the citizen of the United States or Britain or any other country, a global citizen, you see. Uh, and again, the, re the value of, of, of restating this and understanding this is this, that we must be aware of what's going on around us in society. If we are not, we can be very easily taken in by the same thing. And it is also to know the truth. What do they do with a counterfeit bill? They don't study the counterfeit bill to find out what's wrong with it. They study the real one so they can understand what the counterfeit one is. And, and so we, what do we do? We study the real truth the real gospel, the real message of Christ, so we can identify the faults. And so this uh, social, social philosopher um, makes, these, uh, makes these observations. He says, consider images, uh, the shift of world, the shift of the world be evolutionary, ecological, experimental, as humanity moves toward a global identity, where the, again, SRI, the Stanford Research Institute was about human behavior and establishing new values. Finhorn was about human belief and embracing spiritual holism at Stanford Research Institute. They talked to the important people of the world, but at Finhorn they talked to the plants in the garden. And see, that's the, that's the real animistic view. They talked to the plants in the garden. All the rhetoric comes down to this. You talk to the plants in the garden. You take up animism and mysticalism. Thompson understood that the SRI had been discussing Finhorn, was doing it. It was evident that a shamanistic technology was being explored in real time. Of course, shamanism is the animistic witch doctor, if you will, of aboriginal and mystical religions. 
Animisms and electronics is the landscape of the new age. Notice the landscape of the new age. Um, in other words, animism doesn't stop with just you know you believing that you can talk to the plant. No, animism and mysticalism and this kind of belief system, this this cosmic Christ, also gets into technology. The transhumanism of man is to connect man to the computer, or the computer to man. And it is to integrate. Uh, and that is the, that is the goal. It, it is to make you binary, make you a number. Uh, that's what uh, this trans-sexual uh, development is all about. It is to strip man of the true human nature which man has been given. What does one become after they, be, after they become techno-human? After they become a, um, an electronic uh, human being, what do they become? Uh, after, after the nanobytes nano uh, get into your brain and infect your brain, what do you become, you see? Well, you've, you've crossed the, the line, right, altogether. Animism and electronics is the landscape of the New Age. Thompson wrote, and animism and electronics is already the landscape of Finhorn. Spangler argued that Finhorn was part of a grand spiritual unfolding. It was here amidst the gardens where the cosmic Christ, a universal Christ, a New Age Christ would evolve within the group by the extension within the planet. Spangler explained that Lucifer... Okay, here we come into the Luciferian element of it now. Lucifer, the angel of man's evolution and man's inner light and the angel of experience was striving to bring completeness. Lucifer comes to give to us the final gift of wholeness if we accept it, then is free that we are free, and that is the Luciferian initiation. It is an initiation of the new age. It's also interesting that that um, a true Masonic belief believes that Lucifer is an angel of light, and that and that the Masonic uh, doctrine actually purports. Lucifer as the true God. There's a, there's a lot of uh, subtle stuff in between, of course, that uh, the uninitiated do not realize. Spangler argued that all must be in communion. Man to nature, man's oneness with all the lives of earth, animal, vegetable, mineral, and man to spirit, man's oneness with the more evolved life forms such as the Christ and the hierarchy and man's oneness with God, the reality of one humanity on earth, one planet, and indeed one life. And what do you suppose is behind vegetable-based foods? It's not because we don't have enough, uh, enough meat to go around, but and this is the, again, this is the whole idea. Um, man is no better than the plant. And uh, the animal 
They, they have to take that part away in order for man to integrate with ecology. The message of communion is what the spirits at Finhorn were preaching. One diva imported, imparted that, quote, heaven it will be brought down to earth, unquote, when human nature and ethereal beings all slip into each other as a unity. On October 6, 1969, the Lord of the Elements whispered, quote, this concept of oneness is being stressed everywhere, being interpreted everywhere, unquote. Although Finhorn is now better known for its applications of solar wind power and its communal village structures, its underlying spiritual dynamic is never far away. This was evident in 2018 conference titled Co-Creative Spirituality, Shaping Our Future with Unseen Worlds. The Finhorn Foundation invites you to join a uniquely experimental gathering on human and non-human adventurers to explore their new possibilities. Together we will help shape a future of co-creative partners. Human and non-human, although that's non-human is the spiritual, the spirit, the animistic again. Luciferian, animistic, mystical, new age. This has been around for a long time. But the thing that should be most alarming to us, that is now being promoted, purported through politics, economy, and really the, the experimental uh, structures in society today. It's all being, it's all coming together in these things. Just where we'll be in the next 20 to 25 years, the Lord only knows if he doesn't come back before then. Yeah. For Christian, Christian locations and programs like Flind Horn demonstrate the biblical reality that Paul writes in Romans chapter 1, where we were. That although God's invisible attributes have been seen and understood, by what is made, humanity nevertheless intentionally chooses to worship and serve creation instead of the Creator. It also evident that the fallen spiritual realm is unwise, likewise enamored with perpetrating this lie. But of course, for all the core, it's the same deception spoken of in Genesis chapter 3 by the father of lies. Well, I, I trust that that wasn't too vague or it wasn't too difficult to listen to because you're listening to it every single day. In one form or another, whether it is globalism or whether it is some element of societal or co-creative jargon that they put together to help you to swallow whatever it is they are pushing at the moment, uh, we find that it is all connected. It is all very much connected. And so the God of this world blinds the minds of those who believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine into them. And of course, the God of this world, the small G-O-D, Satan himself, he is called an angel of light. 
to those who buy into this animistic and mystical view. The gospel of the world is ungodly and suppresses the truth. The universal cosmic Christ is animistic. Look for it. Watch for it. Because you are, you, by doing so you are guarding against the very lies which they are trying to purport. The world in global oneness worships the cosmic Christ. You see, the cosmic Christ is, is right on the verge of emerging. And I suppose that we will see the full manifestation of the cosmic Christ if Antichrist is revealed. Now, there are many Antichrists. We know, as the Bible says, there are many Antichrists. And this, this idea of Antichrist, of course, is is taught in the scriptures, we know that. And um, I would just say to you um, that we don't hope to be around when, ant- when the real Antichrist comes on the scene. But we should be looking for signs of Antichrist. That is, there are many Antichrists. And this age in which we live in is purporting them greatly. Okay, um, returning to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, just for a moment here. In verse 15, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not precede them who are asleep in Jesus, who have died in Jesus. So we're looking for the second coming of Christ. We're looking for the rapturia of the church. In Latin, our idea of uh, of being caught up comes from the word raptura. It is the Latin word that we translate there. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now there's been much much speculation about this, about uh, this threefold element of Christ's coming. Is Christ going to fulfill each of these roles or is other um, angelic aspects of it going to play a role in it? But I suppose the end result being that the Lord is going to come I guess is what we should be most concerned about. I mean, if this is going to happen in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, there's not going to be a lot of time to ponder the situation. (laughs) to see if you were right or somebody else was. Um, But the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. It won't be a cosmic Christ. It won't be an animistic spirit. It won't be you talking to your cabbage in your garden uh, or anything like that. No, Christ himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel of God, perhaps Michael, and with the trump of God announcing his coming, And the dead in Christ, those who have died in Christ, shall rise first. Then we who are alive, who are present at that time, uh, and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, and to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And so the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we who are alive shall be translated, if you will, and we'll, we'll understand then what Enoch went through when he was translated. And I'm not sure Elijah, he went up in a chariot of fire, so 
That's a little bit different. (laughs) Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. We should be comforted with the absolute truth of the word of God. That God is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That God is the one who truly transforms us at the moment of being born again by the Spirit of God. That God is the one, through the renewing of the Spirit of God, Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, works in us and continues to transform us into what we should be. That the Spirit of God is the one who aids us in prayer and continues to, uh, as it were, translate our feeble words into the communication that God can know, Romans chapter 8. And that we can take every, every uh, authority of the word of God and understand that God is in control. And though Satan, the god of this world, 2 Corinthians 4.4, is trying to blind people and will continue to do so, you who know the truth, God has not blinded. But yet you have come to the, the knowledge of the truth. The light of the world has come into your heart and life. And that we should take great comfort of that in this year, 2023. Did you ever suppose you'd be around in 2023? What about 2025? What about 2030? We do not know when the Lord is going to return. And Jesus said, only the Father in heaven knows this. When the Son will return again. Now, I don't understand that exactly. But who am I? This is a question. I'll take the Lord at his word. That it is a closely guarded secret. One that, according to prophecy, will come true. Just as his word has been given by divine revelation. Revelation that is given to us. That man would not know, save God give it. And doesn't come up with these things on his own. You see. And so the cosmic Christ is a lie. In fact, much of what you hear is buried in lie. In lies. Never mind the crooked politician. It's just coming across the airwaves everywhere. These lies that are purported. And... I suppose we recognize that there's only one way we're going to be able to be sustained through all this. That is by trusting in the true Christ, the true Savior of the world, and walking with him day by day in faith. Appreciated Pastor Bo's message this morning concerning mortifying the deeds of the flesh and put off the old man and put on the new. Only one thing I would add to it, is this. you got to mortify them every single day. They aren't killed just once. Jesus has accomplished that. But every day we live, we recognize there is a new battle to be fought. And the Lord calls us to, to do that too, to mortify the deeds of the flesh every single day. And uh, there's a lot of uh, flesh being um, put out there. 
Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for your love and grace and mercies to us. Keep us within your grace, Father, that we may continue faithful in all things as we trust the true Christ of God. In Jesus' name, amen.